Hello and welcome to the Vorthos cast. I'm Jay Anelli. I'm Brian Dawes. And I'm Chris Delano. And holy crap, Dominari United Story. It's, I'm just going to scream a little bit internally for a little while while Jay tells you other news. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, so let's talk. Um, so you might have noticed that the Dominaria United story is out. Uh, it ends happily. Nothing bad happens for anybody you whatsoever. Are a liar. <laughs> this man is a liar. Um, Do not listen to him. <laughs> Episode five will destroy you. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a come up on a, a, a soapbox here for a minute. And I will say that, uh, stories need to get worse before they can get better. We know that because we had Forsaken released and then we got like a Coria oh, and El Drain. You know, <laughs> that is not quite what I meant. And that's really all I can say about it. You've, we've also seen the slate for next year, which I'm not going to talk about right now because it would also kind of spoil some things coming up. But yeah, so we know everything that's coming out next year. We will talk about that in the future. Uh, there are preview cards out right now. There's a lot of cool stuff in this set. This set has like, this set has like the kitchen sink. It was like Ethan just said, like, I don't know if Ethan thought this might be his last Dominaria set ever, but <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he sure acted like it. Uh, so it's got it's got everything in there. We're gonna have a lot to talk about when we get to uh, flavor gems. I might need to split our flavor gems in two. It sure has some like fan favorites and also like the deepest cuts imaginable. Like Rada's grandpa, like <laughs> what? So Aster, yeah, Aster was previewed. We have talked about Aster before, actually, on this very podcast. He is a main character in the invasion novels. He's like the uh, up until we meet him, all the Keldons we meet are kind of jerks, and he's the first one who's like sort of this badass himbo dude. Uh, and he's just in to save the pl- save the world, and he's he's a pretty cool guy. Um, but anyway, that's not what we're talking about tonight. Tonight we're going to talk about the Great Mending and Dominaria 2018. We finally caught up here. Kinda, we're kind of caught kinda. up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the Great Mending. What I will say is we have talked about the mending several times on this podcast. Uh, if I scroll down and look at our key episodes from the past, uh, we go into a lot of detail about this in episode 115 before the mending and episode 116 uh, after the mending, which are both like Teferi focused episodes. Uh, we also in episode 149 uh, covered the whole time spiral block. So if you want more details, uh, go back and check out those episodes. They're they're pretty good, I think. Um they, we only made them last year, I think. Yeah, they're pretty up to date. Ish. Yeah, they're, so they're Yeah, I mean it's not like it's not like we had a time spiral 2 or anything yet, so. All right. So, let's talk about the great mending. So, the great mending uh, occurred in about 4500 AR, that's 4500 years after uh the birth of Urza and Mishra. Uh AR means our and reckoning and it, they started at the birth the year Urza and Mishra were born. Uh, back before the mending, there were planeswalkers with godlike powers. The mending changed all that. Uh, so planeswalkers, like a planeswalker's body was like an extension of their will. 
They could shape shift at will. Um, there was a lot of power that they could summon. They were like near divinity, if not gods themselves. A lot of them so sure acted like gods. Jay, Jay, did you know that? Did you know that we were gods once? Oh God. That is what I have in the agenda. So yes, I did know that it is. And I don't have a shot around here to take right now, but it is what it is. I miss Nicol Bolas. I really do sometimes. I'm glad we get to talk about him today. (laughs) (laughs) A key interjection by Brian. I love it. Um, So there were also at this point, a lot of time rifts that had been forming over time. Uh, basically what they were are, uh, whenever there was a huge, like world shattering kind of magic used on Dominaria, which happened a lot, um, a time rift would form and, you know, they could sort of heal themselves. They could deal with a certain number of them, but they just kept happening and happening until finally, uh, one time rift happened that just broke it all. And like shattered time on Dominaria. Uh, and things got spit out from different eras in the future, and things from the past went into the future, and things from the future went into the past. And it was all this timey wimey nonsense, basically. <clears throat> um, and several centuries of this happened. This is called the Rift Era in Dominaria. A uh, lot of Dominaria does not look good. It is a uh, post-apocalyptic wasteland salt storms um just it's a it's a bad place to live at this point in time so where we enter the story is inside a time rift where teferi and joyra who had phased out uh zelfir and shiv in the uh invasion story uh from way back during the frexian invasion Decide to come out. It's time to come out and phase everything back in before it gets uh, too late to phase them back in because they won't fit properly back into the earth because they'll have been gone for too long. Things will have changed too much. It'll just be catastrophic. So they come out and they learn that they are much farther in the future than they thought they were. So Teferi has miscalculated because these time rifts has affected what he had done. I'm not going to go into the whole plot of these novels. I just told you like three different stories where we talk, three different podcasts where we go into the whole, whole story. And I still want to be able to get to Dominaria 2018 today. Uh, so long story short, Teferi finds out through this Neo Walker, um, or Brady Walker, as they were called at the time. Oh, uh, Lord. basically a new kind of planeswalker, uh, that of in Radha and Venser that uh, they have sparks that are connected to these rifts. And he discovers that if he connects his spark to the rifts, he might be able to close them. Uh, So he does this for Shiv, which he had phased out. So he phases it back in, brings everything back. Uh, Only one problem. It completely burns out his spark. And Teferi is left immortal for the first time in, you know, a millennium. You ever like get an item in a video game and you think, wow, this is like a really cool consumable. I'm going to try it out. Like, I don't know, like a master ball or something and you use it. And then you're like, oh, that's like really cool and powerful. And then you realize very slowly that you're never getting another one. (laughs) That is a really apt analogy, Chris. Uh, So I'm just going to run through some of these riffs here and what happened with them. Uh, So there's also a Madarin rift. 
So the Madarin Rift, uh, Madeira, if you don't know, because it's kind of a more obscure location, is an island nation off the coast of Western Jamura. Uh, it is a place where Nicobolus once ruled as God Emperor. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Uh, and the reason he ruled there and the reason he liked it so much is because way back in mytho, the mytho history of Dominaria, he dueled a demonic Leviathan planeswalker there. Uh, and their duel was basically the first, uh, created the first time rift. Uh, and Bolus spent, you know, years devouring the corpse of this demonic Leviathan after his victory. Uh, so to seal it, Bolus, of course, nobly sacrifices his own spark and everyone's happily ever after. Oh, wait, no, I'm sorry. No. So to seal it, never. they had one of the most epic battles, one of the most epic duels in magic of all time between the two big bads from uh, the two planeswalker big bads from early magic story. That is Nicol Bolas and Lashrak. Lashrak is this black aligned planeswalker who was, um, uh, the best way to describe him in modern terms is he was a little bit obnixilis. He was a little bit Ashiok. Uh, he was a manipulator and a tyrant. And he also kind of looked like the Sandman from the Neil Gaiman comics, <laughs> except with little fireballs hanging around his head. You may remember him from the critically acclaimed and very popular game Magic Legends. Yeah, they brought him back in Magic Legends because he gets killed here after this duel with Bolas. He gets imprisoned in this artifact that I'm not going to get into right now. Uh, and Bolas uses him to seal the Madaran Rift. And it's implied that he dies. Uh, although all we hear is like his psychic screams as Bolas uses him to seal the Rift, uses his soul, his spark, all that. Uh, and the screams, his psychic screams eventually stop. And that's the end of Lashrak. Allegedly. Allegedly. Until Magic Legends, which is definitely something. Uh, yeah, a canceled MMO that never got out of beta is definitely a place they're going to pull all their plot points in the future from. I tell you what. Could be worse. <laughs> uh, so next, I'm going to talk a little bit about the uh, Yavamayan Rift. So the Yavamayan Rift was caused by the Silex Blast. Now, some people were a little directionally challenged uh, when when this was created, because the intent is that this is the Silex Blast that went off on Argoth, but that was like 100 miles away to the east from where Yavamaya is today. Don't worry about it. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but the Yavamayan Rift uh, it ends up being closed. Well, they discover Multani, who is the marrow sorcerer or elemental avatar of Yavamaya, has been like hibernating because they tried to close the rift themselves and didn't have the the. Did Multani close the rift? I'm actually blanking on that now. Do you remember? He did, Brian. Okay, so Multani uh, closes the rift. That's what causes his hibernation. Yeah, you're getting to that. Yeah, okay. uh, and he ends up meeting with uh, Jessica and Radha. So Jessica is a barbarian planeswalker who. She gets transformed a bunch of times in the Onslaught storyline. She she goes from this barbarian warrior into – she gets turned into Phage, this awful monster, awful Black Align character that – and I mean awful in that like she 
there's a whole lot of weird, gross stuff that goes on it's, with her. It's kind of funny, her story, because you would think that some of these things would have, like, ignited her spark right away. Like, Of the, course not. The, the hug of the patriarch, the cabal patriarch, which was supposed to kill her, that turned her into phage, that probably should have ignited her spark. No, not quite. Then she gets turned into a chroma after, or not, I'm sorry, not a chroma, corona after she... A chroma and Zagorka get chopped by Kamal's uh, mega axe. I forget what the name was. I think it was Stonehewer or something. No, yes, it might have been Stonehewer, but it was basically a locus of black mana created by the Cabal and a stick from the Crotian Force who had been over, uh, like overgrowing because Kamal had like buried or had impaled the force with the Marari sword and it had just started overwhelming or upwelling and like he has this stick which is a locus of mana from the the uh, Crosby Forest and they combine these two things into one thing to kill Corona or a Chroma and Phage aka Jessica and a Chroma are both hit with it at the same time as they're fighting by Kamal and it creates corona the false god have we ever done an episode on on like the, the odyssey onslaught block we should do one at some point just so I brian refuse. can tell the whole story because i i think it's fascinating <laughs> it's so odyssey and onslaught are like a six novel series of which chainer's torment is the only thing anyone ever likes the second book <laughs> um speak for yourselves i love those books uh fair enough so Jessica returns here. She is her transformation into Corona, the false God uh, ends up being the like final straw uh, that creates the last rift. She comes back feeling the need to seal it all meets Radha and realizes she can use Radha rather than doing what Teferi did and losing her spark, trying to seal one or even killing herself doing it. Uh, she realizes she can just use Radha to channel the power through in order to close a whole bunch of rifts. Uh, and so Yavamaya is one of the rifts that she ends up taking her to. Rada, in the meantime, ends up meeting with Maltani. Now, Rada is a Sky Shroud elf who is part, who is a quarter Keldon. Her grandfather is Aster. We talked about him at the beginning of this episode, actually. Um, she wants to be a Keldon warlord, and she kind of has always rejected the green part of her identity. Uh, until she meets Multani, and Multani helps her get in touch with that green element and makes her much, much stronger. Um, I should also mention, because we talked about Sky Shroud, is the Sky Shroud Rift. So Sky Shroud was a forest on Wrath, which was this like... We definitely talked about Sky Shroud last week when we talked about the invasion, at least a little bit. Excellent. So hopefully if you've been listening, you know what we're talking about here. So anyway, Freyalise, uh, who is a elf planeswalker, uh, in order to save Sky Shroud, brings it over during the overlay and kind of plants it in the mountains of Keld. And that's kind of how this whole Aster meets a Sky Shroud elf and they have a kid and that, that elf half elf has a kid. That makes that is Radha. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, uh, Sky Shroud also has a rift uh, because of what Freyalise did there to save it, uh, and she is kind of been draining her own power to keep the forest going, but it's very clearly not working anymore. 
uh, and she finally is convinced after being resistant for a long time uh, that she needs to pull her power back into herself, stop trying to save the forest, uh, and use her power to finally seal the rift. And she does so and dies in the process. Um, she had always looked at Radha. She was trying to like groom Radha to take over as like the planeswalker guardian of Sky Shroud. Uh, but because Radha was like, she didn't realize that she was a, the Radha was a new kind of planeswalker. Uh, and so she would never have had the power to be able to do all of that anyway. She should have just moved the forest again. That's what she should have done. <laughs> just, just keep moving it <laughs> well, until <laughs> she moved it to keep, to get it out of the way of the Phyrexian invasion, but she moved it to a place where there's like it, it, the climates are opposed to each other. She should have just relocated it to like Yavamaya or somewhere else that the forest could have survived. And she wouldn't have had to drain all of her power to protect it from the, the natural elements that were attacking it, eventually. But that's just me. Could you imagine Freyalise is just like, wow, tough shit, Dominaria, and picks it up and just, like, lifts the Sky Shroud Forest and puts it, like, I don't know, on, like, Kaldheim. <laughs> just, and you go here now. I mean, back then she had the power to do so. She just didn't think of it. Uh, so at the original Talaria, there was another rift from where the Archwizard Baron who had founded the, um, Talarian Academy with Urza, uh, Baron, after his wife had just died the year before, finds out his daughter died and that Urza kept it with him, kept it from him so that he would continue to be useful to Urza. Definitely talked about this Uh, last week. Urza's, Urza's not a nice guy. Um, so there is damage from, uh, Baron going out in a blaze of glory and basically casting the Silex Blast spell, the which is, and I kid you not, if you haven't listened to this podcast before, you have probably haven't heard this. It's called the Blair of Doom, uh, and he learns this in a side story in an anthology novel. But anyway, he uses this to wipe out all the Frexian invaders on the island, and it like destroys the island, sinks the island. Look at the invasion art for Obliterate. Mm-hmm. And years before, which we talked about when we talked about Urza Saga, Karn had also fractured time on the plane. Uh, and so there are like these double um, time rifty events. And in order to seal them both, Karn has to like go back in time and seal one before coming back to the future and sealing like sealing it for good, basically, because the damage they, they can't seal it. Uh, and Venser accesses Anchor, and while he's doing this, Karn ends up giving up his spark and realizes he the Frexian infection is taking hold of him now that he no longer has a spark, which I should be clear, it's because he's not an old walker anymore, and not because he has a spark that he was immune. Old walkers, like I mentioned, their bodies were just a manifestation of their minds. Uh, you couldn't really do much to them without like massively powerful magic, like the chain veil or something. Massively powerful magic, like stabbing them in the head with a power stone shard. Uh, yeah, I mean that too. Yeah, like if you could disrupt their mind yeah. and their ability to think, you could you could defeat them. That's that's the only way you could defeat old school planeswalkers, basically. That that definitely happened several times in Urga's saga, where the Phyrexian did come up with like devices that kind of interrupted Urza's ability to planeswalk. So Karn with the last vestiges of his spark, as he realizes what's happening to him, 
flings himself to Mirrodin where he can recover in peace. Right, guys? Yeah. Nothing bad happens. <laughs> nothing bad happens. No, nothing Nothing bad. Well, I don't want to spoil um, anything from, you know, Dominaria United. <laughs> not <laughs> a bad thing happens at all to Karn ever. He's a sweet boy. Uh, then there's the Zalfiran Rift. So Zalfir is Teferi's homeland, who, which he phases out to save from the Frexian invasion. We literally talked about this earlier in the episode, so you should all know yeah. about this by now, listeners. Uh, so Zalfir, however, um, Jessica gets to first with Rada and seals the, the rift without phasing Zalfir back in. Uh, and this is kind of a problem because... Teferi shows up and Jessica's like, look, look what I could do. I managed what you couldn't. And Teferi's like, you just lost my entire civilization. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. So Teferi is understandably. Um, hella salty. Hella salty. <laughs> I was looking for a big word, but hella salty works good. You know, if he didn't want anyone to seal that rift, he should have put his name on it before putting it in the office oh, fridge. Wow. He shouldn't have left it. <laughs> he shouldn't have left his country phased out if he really wanted it, right? You know, like, it's when my son leaves his toys out that it might be a choking hazard to my little girl. If he really wanted them, he knows he shouldn't leave it there, right? That's how it goes. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's also a rift on Urborg, which is the, like, center point of the Rathi overlay, there is the um, the Rathi stronghold is there. Uh, it ends up getting taken over by the Cabal um, during the Dominaria 2018 story. What are you talking about? That was always the Cabal stronghold, as according to High Lord, Lord of Belzenoc, the Waves, Belzenoc. <laughs> uh, So Lord Wingrace lives here. He's the big cat man. Uh, and he imparts a piece of himself into the land before sealing the rift here. And, fun fact, that piece of himself is actually a card in Dominaria United. It's the soul of Windgrace. I am so happy. We've yeah. talked about this for years. I kind of figured this was coming because, like, anytime Ethan's talking about this plotline, like, he always makes sure to mention that. So, like, I bet he go make this card one day. Uh, and what better time than the return of the Frexians for Lord Wingrace's uh, essence to return and defend his homeland? One of my favorite characters in all of Magic Story, actually, is Lord Wingrace, because he's just he's just a good dude. He's just a good dude. Yeah, I wish we had more time to go into this, but because we have to cover Dominaria 2018 as well, there's there's not enough time to go into all the characterizations, but we do talk about it a lot in those episodes I mm -hmm. mentioned earlier. Um and then finally, there's the Otarian Rift. So the Otarian, Otarian Rift is the one that was caused by Corona. And so Jessica, after kind of causing trouble and uh, m doing bad things to Radha in order to seal some rifts, uh, they all end up talking her around. And she, with the help of both Radha and Venser, willingly this time, seal the final rift, which is also like the biggest and strongest. And Jessica kind of disappears into nothingness and there's a cute scene where her like it's very clear she's made it to the afterlife because her brother is there um there's not a whole thing but it's like someone i think someone talks to her and it's very clearly supposed to be um her her kamal her brother uh and so after this event rada's spark is burned out completely her she doesn't she never really her spark never really ignited 
uh, but what potential she had, her ember has been extinguished. So she, she can't be a planeswalker anymore. Um, and Venser, however, ends up becoming the first of a new breed of planeswalkers. And then we don't see him again until new Phyrexia. And then he's killed immediately. Uh, <laughs> but he's the first of this new breed of planeswalkers who are all like mortal people who can move between planes. So what happened uh, after this last event happened, uh, it's referred to as the Great Mending. Uh, the multiverse rearranges itself, so to speak. Uh, planeswalkers across the multiverse, whether they were on Dominaria or not, whether they sealed a rift or not, all of their sparks uh, were depowered to the point where they became mortals once more. Uh, and interplanar travel suddenly became impossible uh or at least until rushmi uh discovered the planar bridge uh and that's the long and short of the great mending like that was gosh that was almost 20 minutes just to get all get through all of that so that's kind of the high level this is where we left dominaria but things are starting to get better i should also mention Jodo is in this story and he and joyra end up uh having a, a becoming love interests uh which definitely goes great when we're reintroduced to them in Dominaria 2018. <laughs> yeah, the, the time spiral stories are kind of wild. And then Dominaria 2018 is incredible. I loved it. Uh, it's all written by Martha Wells. It was like our first foray into web fiction that wasn't written by a like Wizards of the Coast in-house employee, if I remember correctly. Um, so in 2018, we returned to Dominaria Uh, This was the 25th anniversary of Magic. They seem to like going back to Dominaria on big anniversaries. Uh, And we sort of kick off where the previous story, Hour of Devastation, ended. Uh, If you imagine Hour of Devastation, even if you know nothing about the story, was not a good time for the main characters of Magic. Uh, The Gatewatch, which was sort of the like assemblage of five planeswalkers, each of them with a different color, uh, assaulted uh, Nicol Bolas on his like tailored plane. It wasn't like his own plane, but you know, he Amoncat, which he had like turned into his own stronghold. Uh, and they lost, they like lost tremendously. Uh, they're all defeated. They, some of them are like managed to planes walk away to Dominaria where they had planned to go. Uh, that's like Liliana, Chandra, Nyssa and Gideon. Jace, uh, has his mind completely broken. He's flung to Ixalan. So we have an Ixalan story that comes out uh, before Dominaria. So that's what Jace is up to. But once we get to Dominaria, uh, Chandra is just like devastated. Nissa just breaks her oath and leaves the Gatewatch because that was some some bullshit they just went through and uh, on Amonkhet. Uh, and it leaves Liliana and Gideon alone. Uh, Gideon is severely hurt, which is an unusual thing for, you know, a man who can project an invulnerability around himself. Uh, and Liliana conveniently does have a history of being a healer. You know, she's got the <laughs> qualifications, which is always the funniest thing to remember is that like Liliana is technically like a medic. Like she, she was studying to be while she was learning necromancy in secret. She was studying to be a healer. It's just the funniest thing to me every time. So she knows she knows what's up and she decides that, you know, she's going to take it upon herself to help Gideon because like they're on Dominaria and Liliana has some old, old um, business to take care of, you could say. 
in that her fourth and final demon who she owes her soul to is on Dominaria as far as she's aware. And Gideon would be so helpful in getting rid of that demon. Uh, so they go to what is now, well, what was the Vess estate and Liliana expects to find it sort of in ruins, but it turns out it's been occupied by the cabal. Uh, and specifically her brother who is back from the dead, kind of, uh, her brother, who she famously no, killed. he's still dead. He's just well, back. Yeah, there we go. He's back. He's still dead. Um, her, she famously killed her brother once, uh, and it turns out she's going to have to kill her brother again. So far. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's see how many times she's going to kill her brother over the course of her stories. Uh, but she manages to sort of like, with Gideon and some other folks who are in the area, kill Josu again, uh, using the power of the chain veil. There's some... Uh, there's some Raven Man stuff in here, too, but he's not really an important character. No one cares about the Raven Man. Uh, but uh, Liliana kills Josu and uh, helps heal Gideon. And so they set out to find and kill her last demon, Belzenlock, the Lord of the Wastes, the uh, Patriarch of the Cabal, the other titles that Ooh, he's had. Yeah, there's Everything. like a, there's a card that lists all his titles. I'm not going to go find it. Uh, but in the meantime, the Weatherlight is being restored. So that wonderful, beautiful ship that we all love from the Weatherlight Saga invasion, who um, we are not going to say if anything bad happens to the Weatherlight. It seems fine. Um, but the Weatherlight is being restored by Joyra. And uh, she gets some help from an angel, Tiana. Tiana's the right name, right? Tiana, yeah. Yeah, it's been a really long time. Um, so No, you're doing a great job, Chris. Go for it. I mean, I'm I'm doing a great job continuing to talk like it sounds like to half you. Oh, Lord. Um, no, I wrote this this summary of Dominaria 2018, not you, which is why there's a lot of lore problems in it, I'm sure. But um, <laughs> so the Weatherlight's being restored. It's got its own little like guardian angel and Tiana. She has her own little story part. Uh, they kind of start collecting their own crew. It gets off the ground. Uh, it's it's really like a great series of stories. I think there's like two episodes. We've got Shauna, who is a descendant of Sisse. Uh, they go to collect a capuchin because, you know, you got to have a capuchin on the weatherlight. And instead of getting like Danatha, who is like this amazing knight and warrior and fighter and like absolutely the leader that the weatherlight would love, they get Raph, her like kind of, I don't know how I would say it, like foppish brother i don't know what the right word would be for like he's like a wizard he's he's not really a, i would describe him as a rapscallion rapscallion yeah he's a great character um i played a lot of raf and standard by the way uh he is a fantastic character yeah but uh they get raf they get shauna who's a descendant of sisse they get uh, a bunch of people together they find a vampire named arvad and welcome on the crew because like why not um but they they gather this this crew with Joyra, Joyra captaining the Weatherlight, uh, and they pick up Lillian and Gideon, uh, and they end up on a mission to Tolaria West, which is sort of like the new Tolaria. It's uh, much less eugenics-y, um, as far as I'm aware, Allegedly. and also like not, <laughs> not led by Urza. Instead, it's led by Joda, who, as you mentioned, has a very tense relationship with his ex, Joyra. Um, so that creates a really uh, funny no, moment. I don't know what you're talking about. It definitely not tense. It was more, I think it was more like, wasn't expecting to see my ex that day. Less, I didn't want to see this guy. 
right? Uh, like, yeah, I feel like honestly, though, if you're like two of the immortal people on a plane, you're gonna run into each other like at least once every few hundred years. So, she thought she had a few more centuries before the <laughs> run-in again, right? Uh, but yeah, so they they find out that there's been some cabal infiltration at the school. Uh, the cabal is reforming. If you remember the cabal from, like we mentioned, those wonderful novels of Odyssey through Onslaught Block um, is like a black aligned evil organization. Uh, they are now in service to Bells and Lock. They're doing some nasty stuff across the plane. They're infiltrating places. They're kidnapping people. They're killing people. They're enslaving people. It's it's Brody. Uh, we get a lot of them when we uh, are at Vest Manor. So uh, they discover the infiltration. They beat, you know, the people who are trying to, like, steal from the school. Uh, and uh, we have sort of like a new Weatherlight crew with Lillian and Gideon, or Liliana and Gideon, uh, Joyra captaining the crews all together. Um, and Joyra, you know, reconnects with Teferi because they're going to need his help. And uh, we get some really great updates in Teferi's life. So after he sealed the rift, he became, you know, a mortal except he's also immortal because of all the time shenanigans. Um, <laughs> he he can't <laughs> die of old age, basically, or he's aging incredibly slowly. Slow water is a hell of a drug. Yeah. Uh, so he's, like, lived for the past, like, 60-ish years as essentially, like, a normal time mage. Like, he doesn't have Planeswalker powers, uh, but he's also, like, one of the most famous and also one of the most hated people in the in all of Dominaria, because like it's kind of his fault that the entire kingdom of Zalfir is gone. Uh, so we get some updates on his life. He found uh, love. He met uh, Subira, got married. There's honestly like the highlight of the Dominaria story to me is these two stories focusing around Teferi. Uh, one of them tells his like current life, what he's doing now, and like living with this guilt, uh, and also like he's searching for secrets to uncovering Zalfir in like old Urza night ruins, um, whatever you would call like things of Urza. Uh, and like then, old vaults of Urza's where he kept things that he, uh, he, he didn't want anyone else to have. But uh, one of my favorite, it wasn't a mine, it wasn't a tower, it wasn't a power plant. So <laughs> one of my favorite things that happens is uh, they they end up that the reason Teferi hasn't been able to figure out this puzzle Urza set is because Urza cheated basically just to screw with Teferi. Amazing. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then we also get like a flashback when he, well, he's searching this ruin with Niambi, who's his daughter, who's like also like middle-aged at this point or older. She's like 50 because by the Dominari United stories, she has an adult boy and a teenage girl. Yeah, she's she's a she's an older lady. Um, she's like visibly older than her father, who is, you know, thousands of years old. Um, and uh, they're searching the ruins. And then we get a flashback to when he meets Subira and we get like all of this sort of like what has Teferi's life been like over the last 60 years and fending off people trying to kill him for phasing out Zalfir. And like it's it's pretty incredible. Um but we get like a lot of good buildup of who Teferi is, what his goals are, what he wants in life. Um, and he's kind of like come to terms with the fact that he is mortal. He's not a planeswalker anymore. Um, he's sort of accepted that. But he also decides that he will help the Weatherlight in ending this cabal threat. Uh, 
then Chandra comes back. So she like went off to Ragatha, which is where she, you know, learned all of her pyromancy. Uh, and she was hoping to recover there and maybe like get her life together after hour of devastation. Um, and also her like very sad breakup with Nyssa, uh, because that is a, when you're like in a semi kind of relationship with someone and then you go through one of like the most devastating experiences of either of your lives, that relationship is going to not be in great shape. Um, so Nissa and Chandra are not, you know, together for a reason. Uh, so she goes to Ragatha. She, uh, tries to figure things out. And then she discovers that, um, this mother Ludi character who she has known for years, who, uh, is like the leader of the you know monastery in Ragatha where all the pyromancers are, uh, is a planeswalker. And she follows her to Dominaria. And uh, she reunites with Liliana and Gideon and finds Mother Ludi. And guess what? She's Jaya Ballard, <laughs> the, uh, the pyromancer slash task mage from all of the stories we've been telling for a while now. Um, so... Uh, they go on their like little adventure together. Chandra starts learning from Jaya. Uh, Karn is in the story now and he's searching for the Silex, which he finds. Uh, he runs into Multani who does not like the fact that Karn is searching for the Silex because that thing is problematic. Uh, they decide from talking to Jaya and some of these older, other old people that, Hey, there's a great way to kill Nicol Bolas, and that's the Black Blade, which is the sword that was created by uh, Dakon Black Blade and Gaedron Dihada back in the day. That hey, it's killed an Elder Dragon. Allegedly. Well, no. At the time, this was the the like canonization of the fact that Dakon Black Blade killed Piru with the Black Blade, and that Piru was an Elder Dragon. Yeah, there was like. It's taken for granted now, but at the time, we weren't sure, like, if Piru was really an Elder Dragon or anything. Like, there was there was a lot of cool stuff that got canonized, and it was also, like, the first time in the modern story that the Armada comics mattered again. It was really cool. Yeah, I, I remember, like, being kind of blown away by this, being like, holy crap, like, this is a big deal. It's not just, like, a minor, like, little, like, oh, yeah, you know, that was a real real person or whatever it was like hey we're not only making piru an actual elder dragon and recognizing that we're also like making it an important plot point that the black blade killed an elder dragon uh so they decide they're going to get the black blade and it turns out that the black blade is uh in the stronghold um <laughs> of course because belzenlock's been collecting all these things for him to claim uh it's his black blade he forged yeah. it right yeah he did he sacrificed his son to make it um Anyways, uh, at this time, also, Joyra kind of, like, reconnects with Teferi and Karn, and they have, like, a moment together where it's like, hey, we are the old Talarians. We've been, we've known each other for a very long time now. Uh, we should, you know, keep in touch. Uh, and then Joyra goes, hey, Teferi, um, here's a rock you should eat. Crotch. It's got your spark <laughs> in it. <laughs> yeah, so basically, let me explain a little bit of metaphysics here, is... The uh, when Teferi phased Shiv back in and used up his spark power, 
the power was still there. It was just used to seal things. So it was like ambient energy after that point, kind of like the Soul of Wind Grace thing. And uh, the mana rig, which is on Shiv, absorbs the ambient magical energy in order to power the power stones it it forges. Uh, and so I guess what Joyra did is she just identified the right kind of magic, put it in the the, the jawbreaker, and handed it to, handed wow. it to the fairy. <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, you know it, people will be like, oh, so you can just put sparks and rocks. I think this is like a very specific situation because this is at, this is to oh, no, you can hundred no, no, no. you can hundred percent put sparks and rocks glaze like. Going back <laughs> to like the very beginning, Glacian. we've known souls and yeah, we've known souls can go into power stones and there's like a lot of interesting metaphysics around power stones that get me really excited. Well, what I, I will mean go is, into a tangent here. If, if, I'm just going to let you talk not. again, Chris. Yeah, well, absolutely not. We're like 40 minutes into the recording of this episode. No tangents about power stones. What I'm saying is that they can't just like pull a spark out of any other like rift area oh, and yeah, just put it yeah. in this someone. This is a very specific situation. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so like Teferi gets his spark back, which is honestly like one of my favorite parts of the story is that Teferi, we, we spent time realizing Teferi is like a mortal person, not a planeswalker. He is happy with that. He's formed a life. He's created a family. He's perfectly content on Dominaria and Joyra gives him the choice to be a planeswalker or not. And Teferi looks at it and he thinks, I have I have a responsibility. I have this power in my hands. I have to use it to help the multiverse. And so that's when Teferi becomes a planeswalker and uh, becomes a member of the Gatewatch. So love Teferi. One of my favorite. Just uh, absolutely great character. Uh, Easily the so, best return in magic. Yeah. I mean, like, if you like Teferi, you have to read the Dominaria 2018 story. Uh, we also get an episode about Slimefoot. It's a Slimefoot episode. He waves. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Slimefoot <laughs> is like a like a thalid fungus creature that, like, stows away on the, the weatherlight when they're in, um, where is it that they, they, like, go somewhere and he, like, picks up onto the weatherlight and lives. So he's actually, yeah. he carried over from the beginning. His spore was on, like, the weather seed they used to regrow the hull. Oh, um, yeah. From, from uh, the, it was actually from Lanawar instead of y- Yavamaya this time around. Uh, so what I should note here real quick is the new weatherlight crew. Uh, it is very much the, I know people like to compare it to Star Trek. I make fun of it because it's, like. When people were talking about the Jastis League, but talking about how great and original the uh, the the Weatherlight crew is, I'm like it's literally just you know any ship crew ever because there are these very clear story tropes bases for characters. There's always you know you've got the swashbuckling captain, you've always got the little kind of annoying weak guy slash comic relief or whatever Slimefoot. And Squee fall into that role. There's always the muscle, the quiet, angry guy. Um, Arvad? Yeah, which is Arvad in this case, or Tangarth uh, back in the day. You know, there are always these different archetypes that all these kinds of shows use, or all these kinds of stories use, and the Weatherlight's no different. Um, but I love Slimefoot. He is such a great comic relief uh, for the new Weatherlight crew. Yeah, it's like a really cute story because it's Long like. Long may she fly. Yeah. Um, 
the uh, the Slimefoot story is like episode 10. It's sort of like the episode right before the major climax stares happening. And so Slimefoot is like this like observer who's like seeing all the people train and prepare and he like meets Raph and he meets all these different characters. and he's very cute and sweet. Uh, and he ends up being really relevant because they go to assault the cabal stronghold uh, and they're flying into Erborg and they pick up some like Erborg denizens who join the fight in the form of like some panther warriors and and like it's really cool. It's like another one of those like we're all coming together moments kind of on like a smaller scale though it's not like Dominar United level um but they bring a bunch of people together who agree to fight the cabal uh Slimefoot's got some thalid friends who join the fray which is really fun um the planeswalkers though decide that their best hope is to sneak into the stronghold while everyone else is finding outside of it uh there is a um we get Yargle in this story. Uh Yargle is a very fun character who became sort of like a meme, has a secret layer. Uh it is a frog spirit thing. Um essentially it was like a the the story goes that a lieutenant of Belzenlock in the Cabal uh ended up like disrespecting him and he turned him into a frog uh that became like this giant spirit that's always hungry. It, it's it's fun. Uh but he fights them. He like fights the weather light and then Moltani like summons slash like his daughter shows up kind of like yeah, Moldroth is like kind of his daughter. I feel like he treats yeah, her like Mold- a daughter. Mold- <laughs> he does. And I think that's a fair comparison. It's like it's a splinter of Yavamaya that he transports that combined with like the local magic of Urborg gives birth to a new Meru sorcerer like him. So I would call it daughter for sure. Yeah, and she she comes up and she helps fight off Yargle. Um and uh the planeswalkers sneak into the the stronghold and they're like, "Ah, we're going to go find the black blade and then we'll use the black blade to kill Belzenlock and then we'll use it to kill Nicobolus." Easy. Uh Gideon's like, "I'll use this sword. This won't have any negative effects on me as a person." Um and uh they get caught and captured by Whisper, who's like the this like evil cultist of the Cabal. and they are thrown into a fighting pit because it's the cabal and they have a fighting pit of course they do uh but they escape with some help from like Rada who's there for some reason um she's all right slight tangent dominaria 2018 story has this problem where there's a bunch of characters who they want to show up in the story but they don't have a lot of ways to explain why they're in the story and Rada is there because she was captured by the cabal like kind of yep. like she was um like she was out with a small patrol and they yeah. got captured and then they put them in this fighting pit and these Keldons have just been slaughtering anyone in the fighting pit basically until Gideon shows up and then they're like yeah let's get out of here yeah so they they fight their way out uh they get the black blade Gideon fights spells and lock with the black blade and like i think he ends up like hitting him at one point but it's like a light touch and then uh Liliana uses her power to just eviscerate and destroy uh Belzenlock and thereby killing her final demon and ending her contract forever and the story is over and everyone and there were no consequences whatsoever America. no consequences whatsoever we don't have time for that uh, <laughs> we don't have time for consequences yeah so uh turns out just a quick uh quick note uh turns out the fine print on your demonic contracts are important to read because Liliana after killing her fourth demon consigns her soul 
to Nicol Bolas, who helped you know broker her contract. Uh, and that's how we get War of the Spark, everyone. <laughs> and that is it for the Dominaria story we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, we did talk about Chronicle of Bolas a long time ago, but that's like way, way backstory. So uh, when we left, you know, the Weatherlight crew was on a mission to eliminate the Cabal. Uh, and yeah, well, that, that's, that's all, folks. <laughs> so next week... Uh, we are going to start talking about the Dominaria United stories. Um, Kinda. Kinda next week. Assuming it doesn't fall through, we have a special guest next week as well. Yeah. uh, Which uh, we are very excited about. Um, So we've mentioned Jeff Gomez a bunch of times on this podcast. uh, And Jeff will be joining us next week. Uh, We're going to talk about the Jared, the return of Jared Carthalian, uh, about very early magic story and about transmedia storytelling, which is still very relevant for magic since it's the kind of story that has to be told through the cards and through fiction and through and it's told through comics and all this other stuff. So I'm very intrigued with what Jeff has to say. It's yeah. kind of funny because I really thought I really thought we had Jeff on before, but it turns out we have not ever. Um, which feels silly considering how much we've talked about the Armada comics. Yeah. And then, uh, after we talk Jeff and talk to Jeff about Jared and Diada, who spoiler alert, have a side story in the Dominaria United, uh, stories. Um, we will be starting talking about the main story of Dominaria United, uh, with the episode that releases on September 5th. So that means if you are a listener of this podcast and you like to just kind of casually listen if you have not read the Dominaria United story, you have until September 5th. We will start talking about it openly with plenty of spoilers. You've probably, I mean, if you've existed on social media at all, as of like an hour after the fifth story dropped, the fifth main story dropped, it was everywhere. So, you know, good luck. Some people, <clears throat> Carrie, had finished reading the story within like 10 minutes. Like I didn't even get to start it. <laughs> Carrie was like, oh my God, that story. <laughs> Um, and if you're listening today, which is, uh, by my assumption, August 22nd, uh, we have a preview on Wednesday. So just reminding you, I know we mentioned that at the start, but yeah. All right. Uh, let's move on to final thoughts. Uh, my final thought is Gigabash is still dope. Uh, and you should all buy and play it because I really want to see more from this team. That's it. That's all I got. (laughs) Um... My final thought is that um, my final thought is that the Cothwatch is still waiting. I will say we are on high alert. Cothwatch, like red alert. Cothwatch is incoming. <laughs> there is no way that we don't get Coth within the next like six months to a year. It's like eleven minutes. It's like ten minutes to midnight on the Doomsday Clock. On the Coth <laughs> Clock, it is ten minutes to midnight. I, I need it to be midnight, man. Just waiting for too long. <laughs> yeah. I am a little yeah. sad we didn't get Koth and Dominari United. I just, God, we, he's out there. <laughs> he's out yeah. there. He's been on New Phyrexia this whole time. Hopefully we go back there soon. I, <laughs> uh, yeah. So they, they did Wizards Announcements Day. So you should go watch that video, everyone. Uh, there's some big stuff. Oh, I wish we could talk. I wish we had time in our schedule. Here's my final thought. Um, we are covering so much story within the next like couple of months that I don't know when we're going to have a chance just to talk about 
the like announcement day from today. We are living in a wealth of story where I'm like, I would love to just have a whole episode talking about what they've announced for upcoming sets because my mind is blown. There is so much coming and I am so excited, not just for magic for D and D too. I have to buy like a board game, I guess. Like, yeah, I suppose I still got to buy spell jammer. It looks great. I don't care about spell jammer. We're getting dragon Lance. So I'm excited about that. We got to, we got to think of a way to segue this into our Patreon. So there is a lot of good stuff coming out in the next year. It has all been revealed and honestly, it's very exciting. I have been working on this stuff with the story team for a while. I am very excited for all of you to see it. Uh, if you need to have some people to talk to about what's going on, you can always talk to us here at the Vorthos cast. <laughs> this is a terrible segue. I'm sorry. Uh, but uh, you're trying. Our, you're trying. Our, our Patreon servers, so genuinely, our 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 patrons on our Discord server are always great. I love chatting about Magic Story with the people here. Uh, we've got a lot of people who are very interested in Magic Story, have a lot of differing opinions, but are able to express it in positive ways. Uh, I love the even the criticism here. You know, I don't mind criticism. Uh, but in the criticism of the story in here is always very... What's the best way? It's very constructive. It's very... It's actually like helpful like it's not just people complaining about things when they're critical they're being actually critical and not just complaining which is something you don't get in a lot of places we're talking about fun stuff i'm sure we're going to be talking about she hulk very soon uh i have not watched she hulk yet so i haven't participated in that yet it's great and there, there's a post-credit scene for the first episode whenever there's a new show or game or anything like that we're all in chatting about it on the server i honestly love this community um, I don't usually read very many threads in very many discords, but I always enjoy hearing what everyone has to say everywhere in this discord here. And if you would like to be a part of a community like that, you can join us on Patreon. Um, and it's just, I, I think a dollar a month minimum, basically. Uh, and that really all that is, that does is it makes sure that anyone who's here, uh, wants to be here and, and values being here rather than, um, you know, like a lot of other Discord servers, you can join 20 different Discord servers and say whatever you want, because it doesn't matter if you get kicked out. Uh, but it's always nice having a community of people who are very passionate about things and want to be here uh, and want to build a nice community. And with that, thank you all for listening. This has been the Vorthos Cast.